that, my head is uh, sweating already. So, uh, like sands through the hourglass, these are the days of, of our lives. Um, I tell you, Genesis has got some strange stories, no doubt about that. And uh, I remember doing a Bible study one time at Court Street, and we went through Genesis. And as the st- we just, if you ever want attendance to go up, like in a Bible study, do Genesis because it's just these stories are so messy and salacious. And uh, but it's more than that. It's more than that. And there are some things there I think would help us all with our own struggles and our own inner struggles. And especially, you know, this is one of those things that sounds like a strange story, but come on, let's be honest. I mean, this could have been yesterday's headlines, right, in some ways. So we're going to dive in here. Joseph in Living Color. Today's title is called The Other Side of Splat. The Other Side of Splat. Last week, I want you to remember, our scene ended with... Ten guilt-ridden brothers who had sold their son, their brother into slavery, um, who had lied to their father. Uh, the curtain closes last week on their father who's inconsolable, who'd been lied to. And basically it had been implied that his son had died. And then with Joseph, stripped down and tied to a cart on the way to Egypt. Well, we now find Joseph, oddly enough, in the house of a very powerful man named Potiphar, who brought who bought Joseph to be a servant both in his house and his field. Now, Potiphar was a captain of the guard. That's what it says. Let me tell you, that's not just like a lieutenant or a mid-range kind of um, officer in the in the armed forces. This guy was like the Secretary of Defense. This guy was a big, big time famous guy. Cabinet, cabinet level position in Pharaoh's, in Pharaoh's cabinet. Um, so we're not sure how much time has passed at this point. Uh, seems to me like it might have been years when uh, time had passed and Joseph had gotten the trust of someone. It takes a long time to gain the trust of somebody. And it seems like another good argument for it to be years is that he's not acting like that 17-year-old kid anymore, like last week. He's not acting like he thinks he's the smartest person in the room. He's keeping his head down, and he's doing what sounds to me like a, like a good job. It was enough time there for him to really shine and thrive in his position. He's so good, and he's so trustworthy that Potiphar completely trusts him. It says Potiphar, all he has to do is eat, and then he can go back and plan the next war or whatever, whatever they do. And he, he trusted him completely because Joseph was, had turned into a, a mature, faithful, hardworking, and trustworthy man. We get a five-word statement that says so much. Jeff read it, uh, read it four times. All of a sudden, God is starting to creep into the center of the landscape. You remember last week's story when he's, when he's uh, in conflict with his brothers and that scene, there was no mention of God. Now God is starting to sneak in on the margins. It says um, that God was with Joseph and prospered his work. It says that four times in our text today. Even Potiphar, who's Egyptian, can see that God is doing that... that that Joseph's God is doing an amazing work in Joseph. He's making the most of an awful situation because he's still 
enslaved. He's still captive. He can't leave to go home to see his dad or his family. But he's making the most of his exile, right? Call it the Joseph success ripple, right? He's doing the best and making the most of a really difficult situation. Even when evil and structural evil is all around him, he's not letting that not give his best. And his work doesn't just benefit him, but it benefits everybody. It benefits everybody. And I think if you're not in the best of situations now, maybe you're not working in the place that you want. I would never compare that to slavery. But what I'm saying is, is whatever situation you're in, when you turn that inside out and make the best of it, when you're eager to do your best for others, it shows. And there's a ripple. And that's what was going on in Joseph's life. The scene in Joseph's young adult life is a story about what it means to be tested. Has anybody ever here been tested? Oh my gosh, you don't have to live that long. I mean, your story may not be Joseph's dramatic story, but I guarantee you, you are either have been tested, you're going through a testing, or you will be tested. As long as you live, that's what's going to happen. And testing is kind of strange. You know, you, you don't ask, I don't ever say, dear Lord, please give me adversity and testing so I can grow or so I can, my character can be revealed. You would never pray for that. But how many times um, has a period of struggle and testing in your life revealed something about who you are or who God is? So we all, we all go through testing. Annie Sullivan said, I know that God will not tempt me beyond what I can bear, but I just wish God didn't trust me so much, right? And that's my prayer too, and that certainly was, was Joseph's prayer. Testing and temptation is valuable. It's going to come to all of us. It's never preferable, but it's always valuable. Jesus, as a young adult, before he went out for his public ministry for three years that ended on a cross, he was tested in the wilderness all four Gospels attest to that time. But I love the Gospel of Mark because Mark says that Jesus was driven into the wilderness. He wasn't, the Spirit didn't lead Jesus into the wilderness. The Spirit drove Jesus in the wilderness. I've heard some preacher, one preacher say one time that the dove has claws in the Gospel of Mark. Immediately after he was baptized, it says the Spirit drove him there, out in the wilderness. Because Jesus met with his testing and it revealed something about him and to us. There's an old sacred Native American story about a young man who was trying to find the beauty way. The beauty way. And I think this is a tribe out west. When I was in Alaska, I heard um, this woman, uh, Eliza Gilkey, whose dad wrote the song... Um, Oh, those bears in the Walt Disney Disney movie. Uh, what are they? What's that? You know what I'm talking about? I, I got old time religion in my mind, and it's not that. Anyway, her dad wrote for Disney, but she wrote this song called "The Beauty Way," and it was the. It's not always the easy way. And in Native American spirituality, it's, it's not always the, the painless way, but it's the right way. It's the beauty way of wisdom. So a young man in the tribe goes to the chief, 
the story goes and says, where is the beauty way? I want to go. I'm ready to set out on my own. Chief didn't say a word. The elder of the tribe just pointed like that. And so the young man went in that direction. All of a sudden, splat! He gets hit by something, a coconut or something, something, something out, or a pine cone or whatever. And he comes back and he says, that, that didn't work. That didn't seem like the wisdom way. Tell me where the wisdom way or the beauty way is. And the elder points in the same direction. He says, okay. So he goes, finally, there he goes again. Boom, splat. And he just crawls back and he's injured. And, uh, and so... He finally comes back, this young man, he tells the elder, do not point anymore. I want you to tell me which way is the beauty way, the way of wisdom. And the elder smiled and finally said, wisdom is this way. He pointed in the same direction. Wisdom is this way. It's just a little past the splat. Like, how do we get past it and through it? Because we know our lives will be splat yet once again we know it's going to happen how do we do it how did joseph do it joseph's story begs the question here's the question that this story begs will you choose to curse the road you're on or will you choose to make the most of it can you get beyond the splat that's all of our testing there Joseph encounters a true crisis. The, the splat is already there. He's already been sold down the river to his, uh, to his brothers. And he's there. And it might look like a nice job, but he is in captivity. He encounters a true crisis. It gets worse. He's good looking. And Mrs. Potiphar takes a liking to him, it says. Right? Now, I don't want you to be thinking that Dustin Hoffman is the graduate. Are you trying to seduce me, Mrs. Potiphar? That's not what's going on here. The Hebrew, the Hebrew is not a charming, like she's trying to charm him or seduce him. It's a command. It's a demand. Lie with me is what she says. Two words in Hebrew. And basically she's saying right now. She's treating Joseph like an object. She wants to use Joseph for her own gratification. There is no equal power here. It's important, it's important to know this. Joseph has risen to some power even as a slave, but he's still enslaved. And though this is not the center of my sermon, that to me is what echoes so much in modern times. It's important for me to stop here and pause to simply state this isn't so much about sex as it is about power. I want to stop right here and mourn the fact that 38% of all women and 14% of men reported in 2019 that they've been sexually harassed at the workplace. That means more than a few of you statistically in this room have had to go through that H-E-double-L of an experience. It's a lot of people. It's too many. You may have been one of them. I cannot imagine the stress, the anger, and the helplessness of that if you ever went through it. It's not your fault. If you're one of them, my heart breaks for you. And all people who've been taken advantage of that way. This is not 
some ancient story from long ago. This happens every day in our country. And I don't want to make light of that. It would alarm you if you knew what percentage of hotel rooms were used for sex trafficking in the city of Jackson. It's scary. And Joseph says no. He tries not to be disrespectful. He tries to save face. He doesn't know what to do. Am I going to make this woman mad? I'm going to make what's going on here? What is my future? What's the next thing to do? And there are no good answers and no good responses. Joseph had to have been thinking, I would never want to hurt the man who trusts me with everything. That's, all, that's what he says at first. Look, I don't want to mess with Potiphar. I don't want to mess. He's given me everything. But ultimately, what does Joseph appeal to? He appeals to God. He says, I don't want to do this thing. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be unfaithful to the God of Israel. There in another country, he remembers his God who has showed up in his young life, who's gotten him through a lot, this Yahweh. God's goodness and love is his strongest argument. It's his strongest argument. It's our strongest argument to today. It's God's love that can keep us strong, that can carry us. And he leans on God. But day after day, Mrs. Potiphar harasses him and he resists. Then the final scene of this last day of work, when Potiphar's wife is holding his garment and grabs him and says, lie with me, and he's running out the door. I guess he's naked. I don't know. Uh, somebody shared with me on Facebook. Y'all know the word naked, N-E-K-K-E-D, you know, the southern. Maybe that's what it should be. I don't know. Maybe he's not naked as the day he was born, but, but he was not decent and running out the door, right? She had that one piece of clothing. Isn't it amazing that two stories in a row, somebody uses a piece of Joseph's clothing to bear false witness and to lie about him. And he was not innocent until proven guilty, which is what so many people who've been abused in this way, they don't, so many people hadn't come out because nobody would believe them. That's why it's so courageous to come out. Because it's hard. People in power. Joseph is driven again into the wilderness, not because he makes a mistake, but just the opposite. How does he do it? How does he do it? How do we do it? John Wesley in his diary, as somebody put it, I mean, it might have been, might have been you, Trey, but somebody put in his diary, his writing down, May 23rd, preached at the, you know, at the city square, Somebody let out a wild bull, so I had to run away before I got gorged. Tuesday, you know, May 25th, uh, priest was dragged out by my, by my hair, by the nape of my hair to the city limits. Over and over again, it, Wesley was, he was hated by many because he was trying to help people who had just gone through the motions in Christianity. Just sort of, okay, I know the right answers. God, God doesn't expect much of me. And I just, just crawled under Wesley's skin. And so he set up all these small groups sort of outside the church. They wouldn't let him. He only got to preach once in most churches because they wouldn't invite him back. But he could preach on his father's tombstone because it was private property. He was hated by many. He was loved by many. But he had three simple rules, and here they are. Three simple rules. Do no harm. Do no harm. 
Even when you're trying to do good for somebody or doing somebody good, remember not to cause harm even in that, those good intentions. Second thing, do all the good you can to all the people you can in all the places you can. But he saved the best for last. In the old dusty 1700s uh, uh, parlance, it doesn't sound very good. It doesn't sound uh, very compelling. But uh, the way I learned it was attend to the ordinances of God, which means keep talking to God, keep worshiping, keep it going even when you feel dry. Keep it going, keep it going, stay connected to God. I, you know, and I think the best translation to me is stay in love with God. Hard to do because I love my idols. I love my comfort. I prefer the easy path of least resistance. It's right there ever before me because of my spiritual amnesia. I forget that I'm loved. I forget that God has saved me for a purpose, not just to soak up the sun and do nothing for the rest of my life. Idols promise the same thing that God promises to us. A sense of worth, a sense of love, a sense of comfort, but they never deliver. They never deliver. So we suffer from spiritual amnesia, but at least at this moment, Joseph didn't. Joseph is mature, mature, disciplined, making the most of bad breaks. The key is that five-word sentence said four times in the story of Joseph. Today, Joseph lifts up God. We read four times, for God was with Joseph and prospered Joseph. Joseph is practicing the presence of God as he works. Practicing the presence of God. Don't think of this as some prescription. If I prayed more, if I did this more, if I did that more, checklist, checklist. Just simply practice the presence of God. However God has gifted you to do that. And the Joseph ripple effect is in full display. Let me share the key to Joseph's testing and to your testing as well. You have to go back in some of these messy family stories. And there's a really messy story with his father, Jacob. Do y'all remember Jacob? Um, Jacob is, uh, is, is off, you know, um, in this land and he, he meets a family and he meets Rachel and oh my goodness, he loved Rachel. She was just, he was struck by Rachel. And so, uh, he went to Laban, Rachel's father and, and said, Hey, could, could, you know, could I get married to, to Rachel? And the father says, great. Uh, you owe me seven years of hard labor, seven years. And it says in just a few chapters back in Genesis 29, it says, And Jacob worked seven years, and they seemed like but a few days to him, because Jacob was in love with Rachel. What's the way through the wilderness? Find your Rachel. Find your Rachel. Fall in love with God with this life that God has given to us, and maybe even some of our struggles will seem but just for a day, even though they're for a few years. In the book of Revelation, one of the weirdest books in the Bible, got all these crazy stories, but early on in Revelation, there are seven practical letters to seven churches. And for the church in Ephesus, it says you're doing great. Keep preaching. Keep doing the word. Get, you're, you're, you're doing all this stuff great. I have one thing against you, though, and that is this. You have abandoned the love you had at first. You've forgotten about Rachel. You've lost your first love. 
The writer knew that under fire you needed something greater in your life. A master desire that was greater than all of our other desires or our circumstances. That would reorder our priorities. This love that compels us and pulls us. Remember your Rachel. If you want that fire back. Find your Rachel, a love deeper than your circumstances at any given time. Or your desires which can be fleeting and misleading. That'll help you get past your splat in life. What compels you? What makes your heart sing? We sang a lot today, Helen. What makes your heart sing? Nothing else will do. Give me Jesus. Corey Ten Boom, who hid Jewish friends. She was a Christian who ultimately paid the price for that. Said this, when a train goes through a tunnel and gets, and gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. Racial. Life is so unpredictable. It's hard even sometimes to know what's a blessing and what's a curse. It's really hard sometimes in my life to know what was good and bad for me at the time. Is life just a string of random things that are happening in your life? That's one way to go. That's one way to look at it. Or do you believe that we're held in the strong hands of a loving God that will not let us go? Which one is it? There's one that'll get you past that splat. And there's another that's going to keep you right in the middle, going back to the elder every time. It's hard to hold both of these in the same heart. Which one will you discard? Which are you going to hold firmly to? Today, my invitation for you as we ask for God to revive us is to simply reconnect. If you haven't stayed in love with God, then fall in love with again. I just did a wedding, and I'm going to do one this week. It's been a lot of weddings, you know. And I tell them, boy, it is hard to stay in love. And you probably won't, but you can fall back in love again. And you can do that, and God awaits you. If you've forgotten your first love. Implied here is that you can come back. Even if you find yourself enslaved to the world or shut up in a prison you don't think you can get out of. Will you trust him? Even when things don't go your way. You see, Joseph's biggest temptation was not sex. His biggest temptation was despair. And I got to be honest to you, that's mine too. Sometimes I just feel like giving up. Sometimes I, I get impatient. And maybe you do as well. But I got to find my Rachel again. Joseph didn't rely on his own strength. He looked to God's strength and was right there with him, buried underneath all that fear and pain, and he found what he needed. I saw this on social media. Sorry to quote with you, anonymous social media. But on Twitter, it says this. I survived, it says, because the fire within me burned brighter than the fire around me. And that's what's got to happen. There's a Christian minister by the name of Christian Rager. Have you ever heard of him from Germany? Christian Rager was a Christian pastor who preached against the Nazis, against um, nationalism and all the stuff that was going on in Germany in the 30s. And he was bold in the pulpit. And there were Christian ministers and other Christians who were thrown into Auschwitz and Dachau and they were killed. Christian one day was turned into the authorities Ben, I'm looking at you because it was his organist that turned him in. So uh, I'll be watching you. Um, 
He later would spend years in Dachau, powerless, where his life hung by a thread, where people told him to do this or don't do that and do this and don't do that, and he had zero power. How did he do it? Years later, he actually survived Dachau, one of the few. How did you do it? A TV reporter asked him one time. Well, says Brother Rager, Lutheran minister, Nietzsche once said, if you can find your why, you can endure any what in life. But I found something even greater, he said. I found the greater reality while I was in that concentration camp. I found my who. And that made all the difference. So keep moving. Life, real life, with Jesus' help, is right on the other side of splat. Amen. Uh, before we sing our closing song, just sit right where you are. I want you to think about finding your own Rachel. And let's sing that one more time. I'm going to do it a cappella. Sing with me, though, please. In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Oh, you can have all this world. Give me Jesus. And when I come to die, and when I come to die, and when I come to die, Give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus. Oh, you can have all this world, give me Jesus. Amen. Let's sing and close worship with our final song.